Welcome to Budget Watchdog, All Federal, the podcast dedicated to making sense of the budget, spending, and tax issues facing the nation. Cut through the partisan rhetoric and talking points for the facts about what's being talked about, bandied about, and pushed in Washington. Brought to you by Taxpayers for Common Sense. And now, the host of Budget Watchdog AF, TCS President Steve Ellis. Welcome to all American taxpayers seeking common sense. You've made it to the right place. For over 25 years, TCS, that's Taxpayers for Common Sense, has served as an independent, nonpartisan budget watchdog group based in Washington, D.C. We believe in fiscal policy for America that is based on facts. We believe in transparency and accountability because no matter where you are in the political spectrum, no one wants to see their tax dollars wasted. Well, Congress, tick-tock, your time is up. And that is no surprise. Dear podcast listeners, the inability of Congress to fund the government on time without drama is not one-sided. And neither is it a a once-in-a-while kind of thing. The last time all spending bills were completed on time was 1997. And the last time all spending bills were done on time and passed individually, so-called regular order, was 1994. Joining us now on our 30th episode of Budget Watchdog AF to help explain the bipartisan affliction that needs a bipartisan solution is TCS Vice President Autumn Hanna. Hi, Steve. And TCS Senior Policy Analyst Josh Agriculture Sewell. Hey, happy to be here. Regular and in order. All right. <laughs> Let's start with the basics. Autumn, what is a continuing resolution and why is it needed? Well, Steve, a continuing resolution, often called the CR for short, is a temporary stopgap measure to keep the government funded and running when Congress fails to pass its spending bills. The 12 bills, including defense, ag, energy, energy and water, that is, health and human services, transportation, and they fail to pass them through regular order. The CR continues funding at the previous year's level, essentially kicking the can down the road. And the idea is that it gives Congress more time to finish negotiations on the spending deals. But lately, it's become more regular order than regular order. You're right about that. Uh, let me see here. Carry the one. Yeah. So since 1998, there have been 128 CRs ranging in length from one day. That was numerous times in 2001 to 365 days, and that was 2013. And the alternative to a CR is a government shutdown, which nobody wants, you know, just to be clear, um, or shouldn't want. But let's go back to today. What needs to happen, and when does the government turn into a pumpkin? So the appropriations bills must be passed by September 30th, the last day of the federal fiscal year. So this week, that means Congress has until Friday at midnight to get this done, or the government shuts down. Nothing like waiting till the 11th hour. Today, the Senate is holding a procedural vote, and if that succeeds, they'll move on to a vote on final passage. Then it's off to the House for them to act. So there are several steps still where things could go south, and there's really not a lot of room for error. The one thing going on in everyone's favor, though, is that neither Republicans or Democrats want a government shutdown going into midterm elections. Yeah, nobody looks good and nobody wins out of shutdowns, not not either party and certainly not taxpayers. So... 
Speaking of that, Autumn, why do we care? I mean, why is a CR, explain why a CR is bad for taxpayers. So CRs make the government incredibly inefficient. Just the threat of a CR or a shutdown has agencies delaying hires and traveling, leading all the way up to September. So this is something that we start to see earlier in the summer that we're not getting things done and agencies start to scramble. And so already we're feeling the consequences of these last minute deals. Once agencies are operating under a CR, their budgets are frozen in amber. They can't plan, they can't commit to contracts and spending beyond the length of the CR. Some things that were important the previous year, but not the next, will continue to get funding and vice versa. Got it. The one that really sticks out in my mind is um, on this point is the decennial census. Um, spending leading up to the, in the years leading up to the census is really important. But after the census, it's less important. But with the CR, it can remain the same um, when you're talking about it on those that, that every 10-year cycle. So, okay, Josh, turning to you, can you fill in some details on why we are here now? I mean, have both chambers failed to pass appropriations bills? Uh, yeah, to an extent. So the House has passed six of its 12 appropriations bills, and they did that in an omnibus package where they put them all together back on July 20th. Now, the other six actually in the House made it out of committee, but they haven't seen action before the whole Congress. So these still to do ones are frankly the harder ones, defense, homeland security, labor, HHS. Uh, these are the kind of bills that are either really large and have a lot of spending, or they have some tricky issues policy-wise. Now the Senate, it's, it's a little slower. So about a week after the House omnibus, just in time for August recess, Senate appropriators released text for each of their bills. But then they just moved on to the reconciliation package and haven't really looked back. And just to be clear, that means they just put the bills out so that people could see what they were, but the committees haven't even approved them, right? Yeah, they did not have their markups, as it's called, to get the final language and approve it to get it pushed into the full chamber. Gotcha. Okay. So, Josh, is this a clean CR or are there some changes mucking it up, the so-called anomalies? Yeah, unicorns don't exist. So, no, you cannot do a clean CR. Not just because of things like the census spending that you mentioned. Agencies need exceptions to start new contracts. Funding formulas that disperse based on the fiscal year, they have to be allowed to obligate and spend money for the new fiscal year. So you can't just take last year's bill and pass it again. There are technical things that have to change. And a whole bunch of them are just technical changes that must happen. So this administration sent about 25 pages worth of requested anomalies uh, and eventually the CR draft that we've seen that the Senate released is 237 pages long when you count everything that's has one of those anomalies or the various pieces that are catching a ride on this uh, spending train. Okay. So enlighten uh, our listeners, uh, Josh. So what are some of these uh, anomalies this year? Well, you've got a lot of standard fare, as I say, because again, this is becoming the regular order, unfortunately. So you have extension of contract authority for various agencies that do that. Uh, the D.C. government is allowed to spend its locally raised tax revenue under the same conditions as last year. Uh, and if now there are a few that are more unique to this year. So I saw there's $21 million for a national cyber director. Uh, and that was a post that was created last year, but now it's being funded. There's $112.5 million for federal court security. Uh, and that's actually emergency spending. And that's being done in the wake of the controversial judicial decisions and subsequent protests we've seen. Uh, and uh, another big one I saw is there's $2.5 billion in assistance for the Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire. Uh, you may remember that's that massive wildfire in New Mexico. And that funding is actually transferred uh, from unspent FEMA disaster funds provided in the CARES Act back in March 2020. So definitely real anomalies there. Uh, and then there's, there's dozens more. 
is there, you know, it's just uh, seeing that Ian is, uh, Hurricane Ian is making its way uh, across Cuba and, and into uh, the Gulf. Uh, is there extra cash for other priorities like either Ian or for Puerto Rico post-Hurricane Fiona? And um, anything, anything else uh, that's extra is getting funded? Yeah, quite a bit. Uh, and it's actually not technically an anomaly. There is a whole supplemental spending bill attached to this package. And that's uh, the Division B, the second thing they do. And in that spending bill, you have about $16 billion in emergency funding for Ukraine. Uh, another $20 million for the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, and there's various other things that the administration had asked for uh, in its request for anomalies and, so, and additional priorities. So resettling the Afghan refugees from the pullout of the United States there uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, and I saw there's a billion dollars in heating assistance for low-income families. Uh, and then again, something we see a lot uh, in these things, a five-year reauthorization of the FDA's user fee programs. Uh, and our perennial favorite, it seems like a flood insurance reauthorization, once again, catches a ride on one of these last-minute must-pass deals. Um, so I didn't, I have not seen money specifically for Puerto Rico or Florida, but there is authority for FEMA, the uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency, to spend from the disaster relief fund at a higher rate moving forward uh, to cover disasters. And so I looked it up this morning that the August report on the DRF showed there was a $15 billion balance. Uh, and that certainly won't be enough for Puerto Rico. And certainly if, if we have a significant hit in Florida, uh, but it should cover things for a while. Wow. So, and I, I think um, one of the things that we noticed too, is there's some extra cash in there for, um, for ammunition um, to resupply, but there's some interesting twists to that, isn't there, Josh? Yeah, this is what um, Budget Watchdog A, a frequent flyer, Wendy Jordan, uh, found for us, is that the administration had requested about $13 million worth of funds to pay for some replenishing of stocks of anti-tank munitions in Ukraine. And instead of simply $13 million, they're getting more than $500 million Congress has provided but instead of procuring weapons, this is actually going to help pay for purchasing land and building, constructing buildings uh, and supplying machinery uh, and parts for munitions plants. So we're actually, instead of simply having a little bit of money to pay for the, for the weapons that have been used, we're actually going to help these private corporations expand their operations in the United States. Well, I assume in the United States, but I would have to look into that, uh, expand their operations in order to build these munitions later. But thir- going from thirteen million to five hundred million uh, is quite a quite a jump. It's nuts. I mean, the idea that we're one going to be taking on these capital expenses for what is you know a short term, hopefully short term need, um, the war in Ukraine, instead of you know dipping into our our supplies and relying on on that, or even pushing the defense contractors to produce more of the, this ammunition. It just seems to me crazy that we're going to make these capital expenses for temporary needs. It's not like the defense industry is um, hurting for cash, uh, you know, and some of these are the most lucrative businesses uh, in the world. Yeah. But again, when disaster strike, get while the getting's good. Yeah. And it's because it's slipped in and nobody even saw the CR until this morning. And, uh, you know, it's got to pass by Friday midnight. You're listening to Budget Watchdog All Federal, the podcast dedicated to making sense of the budget, spending, and tax issues facing the nation. I'm your host, TCS President Steve Ellis. We continue now with Autumn Hanna and Josh Shule with a turn towards how we got here this time. 
So, Autumn, it sure looks like the side deal that Senate Majority Leader Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin cut to pass the Inflation Reduction Act, that reconciliation bill that Josh was referring to, is what is now causing the threat of a government shutdown. Bring us all up to speed on that. As Josh said, there can be anomalies and emergency spending, but sometimes policy bills can catch a ride on a CR. This year, we've seen that on full display with efforts to add a permitting bill to the CR. So it's an energy permitting bill. And this all started as part of a deal for Senator Manchin to pass the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. And and as a reminder, the reason you are dealing with this policy bill right now is because you can't actually legislate on that reconciliation bill. Like it has the, in reconciliation, again, we have a whole podcast on this and we have some stuff on our website if you want to read into it, uh, is you actually have to deal with dollars and cents uh, or with the budget. And so You can't actually make these major policy changes. It would not have passed muster with the parliamentarian, and it may not have passed muster with the other senators. Right. So Senator Manchin wanted these energy permitting changes. They were really high priority for him. And so as part of the negotiations, he brokered a deal with Senator Schumer to move permitting reform separately from the IRA. And Senator Schumer agreed. And so now Senator Schumer and Manchin, Senator Manchin have been working hard to get permitting reform as part of this CR deal. This has led to, led to all kinds of trouble um, for both Republicans who don't think Senator Manchin's proposal goes far enough and don't want to give him any more wins in his column and for Democrats who think it guts environmental reviews. And I think so that you've got the politics and the policy butting heads. You've got both sides of the aisle bickering. It's just not looking good for this to be added. And for TCS, adding provisions like permitting reform really should be done through regular order, not as late additions to a must-pass bill to keep the government opening. We don't want to see these kind of add-ons. These are what muddy the waters. We want regular order appropriations, all kinds of layers of problems here. And, and we think that have nothing to do with, frankly, the substance of the issue. I do agree that Congress should be looking at permitting reform, but attaching it to a CR is just bad process. Yeah. In the spirit of a football season, we'll throw a flag at that. Uh, The thing is, adding one thing leads to another thing and so on and so on. And it kind of really gums up the works, especially when you've got a deadline coming, you know, at the end of this week. Right. And at this late stage, we can push into government shutdown territory for taxpayers. And that's really the big threat here. The costs of shutdowns are real. Okay, so what's the scuttlebutt? How long does it look like government will be operating under the CR? Through December 16th in the current bill, but that's assuming this language doesn't change between now and Friday. So possibly they could do a short-term CR, like if if they really backs against the wall, they could do a short-term CR into just next week and then come back to this, right? Yeah, or we could revive those one-day CRs and they could pump them out every day until they get it done. That'd be fun. We've kind of touched on this a little bit. I mean, as bad as CRs are, the alternative, as Autumn remi- just reminded us, uh, is a government shutdown, which is which is worse. But actually, that's not the only alternative. Congress could do their job. It's not like they don't know that deadline is coming every single year, but like slacker college students with a term paper, they wait until the last minute. And you know what, listeners? They'll do the same thing when this CR comes to an end in December 16th. So there you have it, listeners. The outsized impact inaction takes when Congress kicks the can down the road with a continuing resolution. Congress needs to resolve to do better. This is The Frequency. Mark it on your dial. Subscribe and share. And know this, Taxpayers for Common Sense has your back, America. 
we read the bills, monitor the earmarks, and highlight those wasteful programs that poorly spend our money and shift long-term risk to taxpayers. We'll be back with a new episode, and I hope you'll meet us right here.